So, okay, um, one thing which you uh, probably know about me, my favourite genre or my favourite subgenre is time travel fiction. I am such a sucker for time travel stories, time travel movies. I I hope we get to do some time travel movies on the um, on the two reel because um, you know I've got I've got so many great time travel movies from before that I would like to kind of work in. Um, But I was talking to a friend a few months ago, um, earlier this year, I was explaining, oh, um, I love time travel stories. Have you read anything you can recommend? Um, And he recommended me a couple of books. Um, Recursion um, by Blake somebody, um, which was kind of fine. But the the other one that I really enjoyed. Wait wait, wait a second. His last name is somebody? Blake somebody? I just (laughs) wrote that down. No, no, but if I'd been better prepared for the pod, I would would have looked this one up. (laughs) You sound like me. So so Recursion by Blake somebody. Yeah. Uh, nothing but professionalism on this podcast. Um, <laughs> look, which, uh, but yeah, the book was fine. The Better book was, than Blake, uh, nobody. Uh, right? But but but, the, so, but I said, this is the point I'm trying to make here, which is that the other book my friend recommended was Kindred by yeah. Octavia Butler, which was great. Yeah. Um, so uh, Kindred is like a uh, science fiction book from the 1970s about a woman uh, in the 1970s who finds herself kind of uncontrollably slipping through time oh, into like confederate america Um, and because the woman is black Mm -hmm. the moment that she arrives in the past she immediately becomes a slave Mm. Um, and uh, and she is unable to really control when she slips into the past and when she slips back out of the past into the present day um it's a it's a great book um it's a dismal book insofar as a whole bunch of absolutely terrible dreadful awful things happen to her but it's um you know very well written um eye opening uh, well plotted very interesting uh, fascinating mm. um and so i thought i would kind of look up a little bit about octavia butler and kindred um which is how i came across somebody pointed out oh well this is this is an important book uh in uh, in the field of the movement of afrofuturism mm-hmm. Uh, which I had never heard of, I'm afraid. I am putting my hands up and admitting my ignorance. Um, so I had to kind of look up that. And I feel like Afrofuturism kind of ties into um, the movies that we've done on the last pod. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, 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 my immediate thought was that Afrofuturism, OK, well, that's um, science fiction featuring black characters. Am I right? And it turns out, mm, kind of no, it's not. It's not kind of black science fiction. It's uh, more nuanced and complex than that. The best definition I could find um, is it's uh, literature or art about a science fictional future uh, in which black people have overcome. Um, so it's a kind of an optimistic mm. um, black future history in a science fiction um, sort of form. Uh, apparently, the term was first coined by Mark Deary in a 1994 essay called Black to the Future. Mm. Um, but I think it's it's a phenomenon which has existed uh, before then. As far as um, as far as Afrofuturism in cinema goes, mm. I think the current poster child is Black Panther. Yeah. But but did you see Black Panther? I did. Yeah. It's about what, ah, so this, this is like this is like one of the Marvel films that you did see. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right, okay. Hey. I wasn't my idea, but I did right. go, yeah. I was taken to it. Um uh yes. And I I teach in a 
really multiracial high school, and we the cinema was right down the street from us, so it was playing, and um, we were really encouraging kids to see it because it's the first time they saw black superheroes on screen, you know? Right, yeah. Um, and then I saw it with family, I think, and yes, it's true, I don't see many Marvel films because I'm just not uh, that interested in them, but I did see Black Panther, um, and there were things that I loved about it, and a couple, maybe one or two things that I really didn't like. I mean, I loved the... I loved Wakanda. I loved the the advanced society. Um, I loved all that. Um, the only thing I didn't like really is the one the the way that the Black Panther was chosen. It was just the classic. I'm going to beat the shit out of the other you know my opponent on a waterfall, and it just yeah, that's it, no way to run a government. Is well, it? yeah, exactly. And it just felt like this this culture is so advanced. But why are they still you know de- de- deciding their leader based on violence and you know who's going to beat up the other one? So that was the one I th- I felt like that undercut a lot of the story for me. But otherwise. Fantastic film. I did like that one a lot. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, this is so obvious it's barely worth talking about. But um, the, the most fantastic thing about Black Panther was to see a film which was like a really big budget, very lavish, very expensive film. Someone had spent an awful lot of money yeah. on a film. Um, and basically all the characters are black. And yeah. it's not that not that you have a black character because he's the best friend of the white guy who's the main character. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, exactly. Just, oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, um, not not an afterthought. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, how refreshing. Going through my kind of uh, memory banks, I did I did watch um, a little Vox video that was trying to explain what Afrofuturism is. Yeah. and in that, um, the narrator points out that um, of the top one hundred top grossing science fiction and fantasy films, only eight um, had black protagonists, and four of those were Will Smith. Oh, really? yeah. um, wow. so, so I was struggling to think, oh, well, OK, which which other films I've seen might fit this kind of Afrofuturist template? And the yeah. only other one I could really think of was The Matrix. Yeah. Um, okay. Insofar as, well, you know, th- there are a lot of prominent characters who are people of colour yeah. in The Matrix. Um, and, it's, and it's not just kind of like sort of um, comedy best friend. Yeah. Um, you know, Morpheus is the leader of the leader of the gang. And um and so the Matrix kind of, I feel, kind of fits into that um, mold, mm-hmm. except the Matrix is largely dystopian again, isn't it, still? So it still doesn't feel like a science fiction future where black people have at last, you know, been allowed you know, a, a, a few happy years. Yeah. It's kind of, it's black people are still being oppressed. Yeah. Now it's not by white people. Now it's by machines that are doing the work of the white people. But it's still, you know, it's still, um, it's still not good news. I think, Afrofuturism is something which is more prevalent in literature. Is that right? I I agree with you. Like my experience with um, Afrofuturism in film is is almost non-existent. Um, but I like you. I've been on a an Octavia Butler sort of binge lately. So I've read mm. three books in the last probably six months or something. So I, I read Parable of the Sower and Parable of the Talent. So those two are um, companions. I think there was supposed to be a third book she was going to write on the parables but she died quite young uh, actually um 2005 or 6 i think just she just fell and uh hit her head and oh man uh, she was at the height of her powers when she died um and then I, we also read uh, among our teachers a wild seed um which is it's interesting because it turns things around because um there's enslavement it covers sort of there are these two sort of um boy what are they they're sort of immortal characters and they have a lot of powers, um, but one of them named uh, Doro is an enslaver himself. So he's a black enslaver, and he can occupy any body he wants. He can basically just 
if one body is sort of wearing out, getting old, he just jumps into another body. He has to kill someone to do it, but he jumps into another body, and he's got these slave colonies all around the world, all around Africa and the United States, and it, it sort of takes place in the 1600s, the 1800s, and I think maybe sometime in, ends up in the early 1900s or something like that. So it sort of goes 100, year, 100 or so years at a time. It might be 1600s, 1700s, 1800s. So it's, it's a tiny bit of his life, but he is actually the one who enslaves people. So it's, it just sort of turns the tables entirely, and the world isn't that much better um, or worse, but it's just that the, the power structure changes. So she just turns things on on, on their heads, and uh, it's powerful in that way. Um, the parable books are really... I, they're also Afrofuturism, but a lot of those characters are actually Latino. It's really multiracial. So in a lot of her... In a lot of her work, there is this sort of post-racist society that she develops. She develops communities, and they're almost always like um, mixed gender, mixed um, race, um, mixed uh, language, multilingual. Um, so she's envisioning a world without racism, but there's still all of these, um, I think, these after effects of racism. She never, she doesn't shy away from that at all. So she's very honest about stuff. So I think in her work, she does um, uh, get a little bit beyond um, the racism of like earlier um, literature, but she definitely does not um, just dispense with it. She definitely, it's there, it's there, but she's sort of trying to envision cultures that get beyond that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So I, I love this kind of science fictional idea of post-racism. Yeah. And I, I'm sure as a boy in the 1980s, I was confident that that was the society we would be living in in 2022. Yeah. Oh yeah, we'll be post-racist now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I can't believe you know how 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 very badly we have missed that goal yes um star trek i think uh, probably mm. i guess can you squeeze that into the yeah the afrofuturist camp <laughs> at least as far as you know nichelle nichols yeah being you know a, a, a icon for having like the, the role that she did on that show yeah um that was probably a bit of an eye opener going back to um other uh, literary um proponents i have read a book by samuel delaney mm -hmm. um i think babel 17 which is like a sort of crazy psychedelic book about sort of people being controlled by language, I think. Um, and then um, M.K. Jemison is you know, a kind of very prominent um, writer of color who's kind of hoovering up the, the kind of the nebulas and the, um, the awards yeah. you know, on a regular basis. So, you know, as far as literature goes, um, yeah, Afrofuturism um, is alive and well. Uh, the other place where I think it has a role is uh, in video games as well. Actually, uh -huh. Deathloop um, was a kind of a uh, big uh, PS5 video game released last year, I think, about twelve months ago, um, where both the the main protagonist and the main antagonist are black characters, um, and you know, and and uh, no one's making a big thing of it. It's yeah. just that. Um, you know, here we are. We've arrived in this kind of science fictional future where we can comfortably have, you know, two main black characters, and no one's going to make a big thing about it. Um, your idea of a kind of a post-racist society that also reminds me a bit of Mass Effect, which is like a you know big epic series of um, science fictional role-playing games mm. that were kind of out you know, a few years ago, um, which is which again has this kind of fantastic promise about. People being, yeah, exactly. It's kind of um, very multicultural, um, sort of pan, yeah, a multigender, yeah. Um, pansexual. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's kind of this this uh, halcyon future where people don't judge you on what you look like. Mm. Um, and yet, strangely, we're still waiting for that. Yeah. 
I, I think the perspective that strikes me is the fact that um, we've always been in a dystopia. I think that's the thing is we assume that the dystopia is in the future with a lot of white science fiction, that things are going to go Big Brother, go 1984, whatnot. Um, but I think it, coming from the black experience, a lot of these writers and, and artists realize, oh, no, we, we're still in dystopia. We've come through dystopia. We're still in dystopia. Um, so I, I think that's the perspective that, you know, if you grow up privileged and white, you don't think of this as being a dystopia. You think of this as, oh, this is a pretty cool world we live in right now. I've got all I need. Um, whereas that's not the truth for the entire population of the planet. So I, I think that's what it is. It's like acknowledging past and current dystopia and not just placing it uh, in the future. So that's something that Butler does great. And with time travel, she can do that. She can take you to the dystopias of the past as well as into the future. Um, but with uh, that book, Wild Seed, it's all in the past. It's all in the, in the American past. But very dystopic. Or just do we say dystopic? Dystopic, I guess. Dystopic. Yeah. Dy dystopic. Yeah. yeah, I think so too. That's a word. Yeah, yeah, it's sure. a word now. <laughs> um, so right. I, I, I mean, what we need to see is more of it. I mean, uh, I, I'm underexposed to it as a literary or as a cinema, cinematic genre. We need to see more of it. That's the, that's the I think that's the biggest, uh, biggest stumbling going, block. Going, going to see Nope um, uh, at the cinema. Um, two, uh, two of the trailers. Um, you know, a, a big trailer for the new Black Panther film. Okay, yeah. So that's, you know, a proper slice of high-budget um, uh, Afrofuturism right there. But also um, a trailer for a new film called The Woman King, um, which is uh, one of a film about a past dystopia. It's a film about um, colonialism um, and uh, a black nation resisting European settlers mm. in what looks like, I'm guessing, the 18th century, something like that. Okay. Um, Sounds good. So, yeah, so uh, so uh, there is some penetration into into kind of mainstream cinema. Yeah. I hope we see a bit more. Well, the, I'd like the, to see that. That'd yeah, be good. The cynic in me thinks, okay, this is an untapped movie audience, though, as well. Like uh, these, you know, it's just about getting more people into the theater. So that's super cynical, but I think it's um, it's possibly it part of it. Yeah, is a consumer um, environment. Yeah, but uh, if a film is commercial, it doesn't automatically mean it's not good. It's possible to make you know good. I mean, you know, Black Panther made yeah a billion dollars, didn't it? Um, Probably wow, billion. Yeah, I bet, I bet. I think it probably did make a billion. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds like such a ludicrous made-up yes. number, like it's invented by a child. <laughs> and actually, actually, it's like a real financial figure. No, we um, can say that. Yeah. So, so yeah, it is possible to make films that are both successful yeah. and good, I think and so, yeah. um, and of value. Yeah, yeah. That's that's not a bad thing to aim for, is it? No, that's no. not a bad thing to aim for. I'd love to see it. More. Bring on more. <laughs> <laughs>